I'm not sure you've been following this murder case in Moscow, Idaho, home to the University of Idaho. That's about a three and a half hour drive due south from the B.C. Washington state border, Creston, B.C. Um, Moscow police, Idaho state police, the FBI, they're all looking into what's being called a very complex case. Uh, it's been 11 days now since four university students were found stabbed to death in their rooms at a home just off campus. Police still have no suspects, no murder weapon as far as we know. They're still asking for tips and surveillance video. Here's Chief James Fry of Moscow, Idaho Police. This incident has shaken our community, and we continue to mourn for the victims. How does one individual kill four people at night and not wake up the other two roommates? I don't even know that information at this point in time, and that's why we're continuing to investigate. Yeah, it's been a real mystery. Uh, the victims were housemates, Madison Mogan, 21, uh, Zana Kernodal of 20, uh, as well as Kaylee Gonsalves and uh, Kernodal's boyfriend, Ethan Chapin, who was from Mount Vernon, Washington. So, of course, there's been an interest in Washington State in this case as well. And that's where we find Garrett Cabeza. He's a reporter with the Spokane Spokesman Review, and he's been covering this case since the outset. He's a breaking news reporter there. Thanks so much for your time on this Friday night. Hey, Ben. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's been a, I mean, I, I saw some of your early stories on this. I mean, it's been quite the story. This is a really quiet part of America, and this has really rocked the whole community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a very small college town, about 25,000 people or so. And, um, you know, a very, fr- very friendly community. And, uh, yeah, it really has rocked it. It's something that... Um, I don't think people who live there would ever, you know, picture this in their nightmares. So um, it it is um, just something that that doesn't happen in a small town like Moscow. So what do we know about what happened that night? Well, I think you hit uh, many of the highlights um, just a moment ago. Uh, Police have been releasing information slowly uh, since the uh, murders happened. Um, They're still... As of um, as of recently, there's still no suspect. Uh, a murder weapon, which is believed to be a fixed blade knife, has not been found. And um, some of the updates they provided are, are ruling out some suspects that were uh, not suspects, but people that have been um, either thrown in as a suspect uh, uh, via rumor or um, people who have, you know, maybe had a motive, but. Um, so they've ruled out uh, several suspects, but um, it, it sounds like they, they still don't have one. What happened that night? Because I gather there were six people sort of in this house. Two of them you just talk, were sort of talking about that were ruled out as suspects. But were these four people, what happened to the four victims in that house that night, as far as we know? Well, two of the victims were found on the second floor. Two of the victims were found on the third floor. It's a large uh, three-story house. Um, one of the victims, Donna Kernodal and her boyfriend, Ethan Chapin, were at a uh, fraternity house uh, that evening and returned early that morning to the home. And then uh, two other women uh, who live at the home uh, were out um, in downtown Moscow that night and returned uh, around the same time as the other two victims. And um, at, at some point uh, early that morning, um, they were stabbed multiple times. Uh, to death, and uh, it, it, they were likely asleep. They were found in their beds, 
Um, the 911 call wasn't made until uh, around noon that day, so right. what's believed to be hours after the killings. Um, and so they, there were two uh, roommates, two other roommates in the home uh, at the time of the attacks, and they were ruled, uh, you know, not sus- not believed to be suspects um, in the case. So what are they looking through now? I mean, I imagine there's a lot of different investigative paths that they'll start embarking upon, but what are some of the things that they're trying to figure out now? Well, um, they've been combing through a lot of evidence uh, at the crime scene. They've received uh, a lot of help. In fact, uh, a million dollars worth of help from Idaho State Police. Um, and, you know, some of the some of the finer details of those uh, you know, of the evidence collected, Idaho State Police released at a press conference on Wednesday. They've collected 103 pieces of evidence, taken about 4,000 photos, uh, conducted multiple 3D scans of the residents, and processed over 1,000 total tips and 150 interviews. So, you know, that's kind of the, the work they've done so far. Uh, the FBI is involved, and um, there's a, a, a profiler who um, is kind of trying to figure out what kind of person may have committed the crime. Uh, it's unclear, you know, how close they are to solving this crime. Um, they're still asking for video surveillance and tips uh, uh, from people who were in the area or noted anything suspicious. So, um, you know, it's really hard to tell where they are at uh, in terms of are they close to finding this killer or killers or if they're not. I guess early on, one of the things that was a bit puzzling was they told the community there was nothing to worry about, and then they walked that back quite quickly, saying, "Well, they don't, they can't really say there isn't a threat." Um, and I guess that uh, people in the area itself—I mean, it's Thanksgiving, sort of the Thanksgiving holiday in, in the U.S. right now. I guess a lot of people were feeling pretty unsafe about uh, about all that had happened, and it sort of started to take off. Or, uh, you know, certainly, police weren't reassuring people with that with that kind of walking back of the comment. Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, people in the community, students and families of the victims were um, angry about is uh, saying there was no uh, threat to the community and not expanding on why they believe that. And and they still haven't, other than they said it was a targeted attack. They haven't gone, uh, police haven't gone into detail of uh, how they know it was targeted. Um, So you know that's one of the um, the frustrations that some people have had is uh, the what they believe to be is a lack of information coming from the from the police department. Um, so uh, you know that's kind of where we stand. Right, and the reaction in the community. I mean, I was reading that uh, because Thanksgiving weekend was coming up, a lot of people were were taken off, were were leaving the area. Students, most, I mean, yeah, obviously some... students. Yeah. Sure. Sorry to cut you off. Some some students left early. Um, you know, they're on Thanksgiving break now, but some students left uh, the the week of, um, you know, after the killings, uh, I think, because they were traumatized by it. Uh, again, this is a small town where you wouldn't expect something like this to happen. And so um, I think they were worried um, that, you know, there is a killer on the loose. And, um, and you know, again, I think a, a lot of the uh, the students knew these victims and um, it's still unclear whether uh, it sounds like the University of Idaho's plan is to um, return to in-person classes for the remaining two weeks of uh, school. But I think there also may be a, uh, an online option for students who don't feel safe or are just still too sad to return to campus. 
um, you know, starting on Monday, I believe. Right. And it must be difficult to cover with all, I mean, in your case, just trying to sort fact from fiction, because I've been seeing so much speculation and so much rumor and innuendo about what may have happened. And uh, it must be difficult to just to try to, to stay focused on just the facts in this one, because clearly, uh, you know, the truth is <laughs> keeping to the facts is what really matters here, because there's so much speculation going on online. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up, because um, there are a lot of, you know, some of these press conferences, uh, part of them are just dedicated to dispelling some of these rumors that are that are online and, you know, that people have posted about on social media. So, um, you know, I've kind of ran into the conundrum of, do I even address this? Because this is something that is just a, a rumor that, you know, police have not mentioned until they dispel the rumors. So that's kind of a, a personal thing, like you said, where uh, I've kind of struggled with, I don't know if I want to even mention this because police haven't even mentioned it. They're just dispelling the rumor. So I don't want to, you know, put that rumor out there when uh, police or, you know, us as a news organization haven't put it out there. Yeah. Nature loves a vacuum, right? Uh, right, Garrett? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the problem here is that it's been such a mystery. Uh, and then there's just nothing to fill that vacuum. Right? Absolutely. Well, Garrett, thanks so much for, for keeping us up on this. what's going on in this case. I think a lot of people have been watching it because it is such a mysterious one. And uh, keep up the great work. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you, Ben.